0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Carson Rideline, as just said, and um, uh, I'm heading the uh, plastic bags uh, for the homeless project, and um, I just wanted to thank you guys for your overwhelming support in this first few weeks. Uh, I got so many plastic bags, it's, it's overwhelming, it's ridiculous. So this Wednesday, we're going to have our first uh, workshop day where we, we get together and uh, we're going to cut the bags, we'll roll them into the balls, and if you really want to learn how to crochet, we'll teach you and you can bring a ball home, start crocheting and all that stuff. Um, So this Wednesday, the 22nd, there's going to be two sessions. We're going to have one from noon or from 9 a.m. to noon and from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. And uh, everyone is welcome to come. Just um, you can come. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, and um, I just wanted to show you guys uh, what we're actually doing because it's kind of confusing. Some people don't really get it. Um, so let me show you a, a completed mat, and uh, this is the one that I made. That's, that's what they look like. <laughs> So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, so this Wednesday, remember, from 9 a.m. to noon and from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., bring scissors. Come. Anybody's welcome. And uh, again, thank you for your awesome support. If you don't remember, the collection bins are in the FLC and Beth's office. And uh, yeah, happy Father's Day. Thank you for that.
1: I believe it was user error. Have you all ever done user error? You have to turn it on. It's critical, critical to the use of the program. Speaking of interesting team players, teenage boy that can crochet your plastic grocery bags into a mat for the homeless, and he was a team player all week long in DBS. Carson was uh, awesome in confirmation and awesome in D B S. Um, Don was helpful in noting that this is the one-year anniversary of what happened to the people at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, and I'd like to respond in a couple different ways. If you can turn to page 847 in your hymnal, and you can remain seated. 847. Let's have a moment of silence and then read this Psalter together. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. Those who go forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. Join us in our first hymn, number 400. I'm going to invite the children down for the children's sermon with Mr. Ralph.
2: Good morning. How are you all? Good. You know, I already had a sermon picked out, a children's sermon picked out to stick with the theme of water that Reverend Joe has been talking about, but then I realized it was Father's Day, so I had to decide on whether to do something about water or something about fathers, and I figured fathers were more important. Well, I could do both of them, but my wife has warned me about, I think an alarm clock will go off if I go beyond three or four minutes here, so. Okay. Um, today is Father's Day, right? Okay. Did you know that um, one of the Ten Commandments says to honor thy father and thy mother? You know that? Okay, good. So, you need to remember that. Um I'm going to tell you a story that comes out of the Bible about a father and a son and then tell you what it means. Now this is Jesus who's talking and um, it comes out of the the book of Luke and it's the story like I said of a father and a son. Well, this man had two sons, okay? I'm going to I'm not going to read it, I'm going to paraphrase it okay this man had two sons and the youngest son when he got of age probably 18 20 something like that he went to his father and said father I want my inheritance well an inheritance is like his share of his father's estate well the father didn't really want to do it but he he gave him the money well the son was tired of working on the farm so he leaves and goes to the big city Actually, it tells us he goes to another country, and he gets there, and he's got all this money that he's never had before, and he goes wild. He's spending that money on friends and who knows what else. Well, what happened pretty soon? He was out of money. Well, he thought to himself, I might like to go back to my father's house now that I'm out of money, but I can't do that. So he got a job, and he got a job feeding pigs and that's the absolute worst job you could have gotten back then and it's probably pretty bad job to have now as well so he's feeding these pigs every day and he goes "I, I can't do this anymore I can't stand this so he said I'm going to go back to my father's farm and I'm going to tell him that I'm sorry that I made a mistake and maybe he'll accept me back just maybe so he starts back, and before he actually made it to the house, his father was out in the fields and saw him coming a long way away. And his father said, I think that's my son, and he ran to meet him. And when he ran to meet him, it sh- surely was his son, and he threw his arms around him and hugged him. And he said to him, he said, this is my son who is, uh, was dead and now is alive. This is my son who was missing and is now found. And so Jesus is the one that's telling these stories to a whole crowd of people, including his disciples. And at the end, he doesn't explain exactly what the story meant, but what it means is that no matter how much you have sinned, that God will always welcome you home. Okay, And that's the same with our own fathers, with our own parents, that no matter what we do, they love us unconditionally. Now, you may get punished, but they love you and they'll welcome you home. So let's remember that, okay? Let's bow our heads. Father God, help us obey your word and have faith in it. Remind us that both our earthly father and our father in heaven will love us and welcome us home no matter what we do. Amen. Now, when y'all go back to your seats, if your dad's here, give him a big hug. Okay?
3: scripture lesson today is from the book of Psalm, chapter 27, verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, My heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for an amazing week. With the children of our church and for all of the volunteers who gave their time to be here to make this week special, we're grateful for the opportunity to lead your children. We thank you for a new staff member that joins us tomorrow and we ask that you calm her heart and her mind as she let joy take over as she drives to work in the morning. We thank you for everything that fathers mean to us, and we consider this morning the entire spectrum of emotions that people feel about fathers, of great joy, of connection, of loss, of pain, of sadness, of separation. Remind us all that you are our Heavenly Father, and that the rest of us are just striving to be in your image. As we read of your son Moses and the amazing choices that the people in his life had to make, help us to hear ourselves in that story of the fear, of the threat, of the emotions, of your presence. May our prayers today, our hymns, Our scripture, our proclamation, honor and glorify you. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. If you'll note in our statistics, we outpaced last week what we need. We're starting to do that every once in a while. And we really are getting super, super close to having every week what we need. We know that one day will be a given, but today we're grateful for the fact, grateful for your generosity and uh, promise that you've made to our church. And we take that very seriously. We have attendance sheets at the end of each pew. If you haven't already passed them, you can sign the register and give us any sort of communication um Uh, preference that you would like. Please be seated. As you can tell by the awesome songs that we've already done, we continue in our series today through June and July where we're talking about creeks, lakes, and streams. Y'all are getting out there in the water all summer long doing different sorts of crazy things with yourselves and children and grandchildren, and we thought it would be fun to read eight scripture passages that have to do with God interacting with humanity at little bodies of water and major bodies of water. And so we continue today with the story of uh, Moses being put in a basket and floated down the river in order to save his life. I'm going to back you up. Uh, from, the, uh, from, the, from the bulletin and go to chapter 1, verse 6. And that is found on page 88 in your pew Bible if you'd like to read along. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And, if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'd like to read along, I invite you to keep your Bible open. We'll read a couple more parts. So there's a thread of a new thing. That can be in any place at any time. It can be in your household. It can be in the boardroom. It can be in the church. It can be in your family. A new thing can be both exciting and frightening. Or one or the other. And in this case, the new leader thinks it is entirely a bad thing. This new thing of the growth of the people of Israel in this land. So you've got to ask yourself, how did they get there? Why are there so many people in Egypt, and why is Pharaoh just now recognizing it? So Joseph who's part of this generation that's died many of you have been part of something important whether it be uh, it could be something like a high school basketball team to a uh, major corporation to a church where there was a leadership that uh, was above you that you thought were the biggest, smartest people you'd ever seen before and then they went on and all of a sudden it's you that's doing this now Joseph is part of that group that has died of Israelite leadership and the reason he was there goes all the way back to when he was a kid. And he had a dream that he was special. And his brothers, like brothers do, said, oh, you think you're special, huh? How about we put you in a well? How about we sell you into slavery? How about we do something vicious to you? And being sold into slavery, he's sent into the heart of Egypt. In the heart of Egypt, he's down in the cell, down in the bottom. Nothing's going to work out here. Until two of the major staff in the kitchen, a pharaoh, are sent down there too. He seems to be a grumpy fella. He sends people down there when he's upset about something. And they remember that he can interpret dreams. And when pharaoh has a bad one, they remember and bring him up there. And when pharaoh has a dream of animals that are doing strange things and a period of having more grain and a period of having less grain that guy who was down there in prison says, Oh, that's right. There's a guy down there in the prison. I think he interprets dreams. He comes up. Pharaoh says to Joseph, Tell me what this dream's about. And Joseph says, Oh, well, there's going to be a period where we have more and there's going to be a really long period where we have less. He advises Pharaoh to save up a bunch of grain and Egypt is a massive power. Joseph is no longer in prison and he's now an advisor. His brothers, who sold him into slavery, come to him in desperation. And he invites them all Ralph's story of uh, uh, a loved one being abused by a fellow loved one. Joseph invites them to come and be fit. And from that point, they grow and they have offspring and they grow and they grow and they grow. And we're to this point now. So here's a quote from Walter Brueggemann. Joseph could not last forever. He had died, as even powerful people do. With his death, the favored status of Israel, so deliberately fabricated, collapsed. The move from Genesis to Exodus reflects the flow of generations, the drastic shift in the fortunes of this special people, and the fickleness of great power and I underline that part I want to make sure that I emphasize that part the fickleness of great power you think you know I got this I'm running this and then something different comes along or bad health comes along or misfortune comes along you just have no idea the fickleness of great power Uh, sportscasters say that two of the most exciting words in sports are game seven that's it best out of seven series were equal three to three. One team might have won three and now the other team's won three. Well, they might have gone back and forth, back and forth. Game seven of the NBA finals is tonight and Golden State is playing Cleveland. I'm not, I'm not really interested in the NBA near as much as I used to be as a kid. But game seven, like they say, pulls me in. And, you know, Father's Day, uh, real complicated stuff. Uh, they say, what would you like to do? Um watch the sports and have snacks. That's it, really. If I could just watch sports and have snacks, could I have the main TV today? That would be amazing. Like, have the big TV and watch sports and have snacks. Game seven tonight is between the two teams that played last year. And one team won, obviously, and had an amazing season this year. And if they win again, they might be among the greats. If they lose, eh they weren't that great anyway Game the other team that lost last year everyone said wow that's the end of them and here they are again and if they win oh wow this is amazing it's the first time a Cleveland team has won a professional sports championship since the 60's if you lose though these people are nobodies they'll never do anything The fickleness of great power is just, you know, whether a basket, a ball goes in a basket one more time than it does the other one, is the difference between you being somebody and you being truly nobody. Is that fair? Not really. But Joseph had great power. His people had great power. Joseph is gone. The new Joseph is gone. There's a new person, and guess what he wants to do? He wants to prove how powerful he is. Of course, he does so out of total fear, which isn't all that powerful. And he says, we got to get rid of these people. Chapter 2, verse 1 is on the next page. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch then she placed it placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him I don't think I've done this story in a long long time it's been since I've been a parent or at least I haven't noticed it like I noticed it this time one thing that jumped out to me hit him for three months What three-month-old, what zero-to-three-month-old could you hide from anybody in a zip code? But she hid him for three months. And what's interesting is the water provides life, and its inhabitants threaten life. So we're watching to see what happens as our infant is placed in the water. What in the world is hanging out there on the edge of the Nile? Um, for many, many years, 20 something years now, I've gone to Edisto with Katie's family. And ever since her uncle met me and realized that I was six foot three and realized I could pull the net in the creek in the very deep spot that he's never reached before, maybe no man's ever reached before, he's loved me and wanted me to go along with him. And we just sort of hop in a creek up to here and walk in it every time I do it, at least in the first five minutes, I think, I wonder what's in this creek. <laughs> uh, it's got things that are delicious when we cook them, but they've got to be things that are after these things that are delicious, that are bigger. And if you threaten their home, I'm about to go it again over the 4th, if y'all just remember me <laughs> on July 3rd as I get into the creek up to here. What in the world is on the edge of the Nile there? What animal is threatening him? That's what's so interesting about reading Psalm 27. Whom shall I fear? I think there's really times, even when we're in frightening situations, where we have this sense of God is with me, nothing can scare me. And I think there's times we have the sense absolutely something could come get me. I don't even know if God cares. And that's reflected in the Psalms as well. Chapter 2, verse 5. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So a guy whose very life was threatened, like Joseph finds his way into the most powerful place in Egypt and what happens with Moses he was a lot younger but a very similar thing now Moses takes an entirely different path and when he gets a little older he sees some people mistreating his people and he murders one and then he has to run out into the desert and then he's called to his people he goes in and confronts the Pharaoh and leads his people out What's interesting about this story in this particular theme that we're talking about in these two months, Moses' entire life will be bracketed by water. He's floated down the Nile to live and he looks across at the Jordan from the mountains as he's dying, knowing that his people will go across there. I mean, uh, there's not many times I read scripture and uh, the hair comes up on your arms. That, I mean, that is just, that's amazing that his life is bracketed by water. The Red Sea parting represents a major achievement in his life. And of course, there's not really a, a amazing story, but the people are really, really mad and thirsty. And they say, would you bring us out here to die? Egypt was amazing. And he says to God, why would you give me leadership over these people who don't even like me and then that's all reversed by God saying just go hit that rock and water will come out the Jordan River is inside and he knows his people will cross it so if you say Moses' entire life will be bracketed by water you have to say Moses' entire life will be bracketed by provision love that goes before him We talked two weeks ago about God creating these creeks. We focus a lot on what Adam and Eve did, but God created that water that led to that plant life. He's coming back from a horrendous crime after murdering. And God calls him and says, you're going to be my leader. And he leads his people out of slavery across the Red Sea. So if you think to yourself, how has my life been bracketed by provision? Do I recognize the fact that in most cases I can just go in my kitchen and get some water? I can just go to the fridge and get cold water. I can go in the freezer and get ice anytime I want. I can drive in just about any direction and see a body of water that is um, giving us, giving this community life. So I guess throughout this entire series, I want us to notice how significant that water can be and also express our total gratitude for it. Thank you, God, for providing for us before we ever knew it, as we're thinking about recognizing it, and as we truly do recognize your provision in our lives. Our girls are starting to recognize what we have done for them what as a father I've done for them and when they start to realize you of course realize what your father did for you. Now again as I said in the prayer that's a complicated thing but I've served 16 years now in five different appointments and in each case there were men in my life that were older than me who had unbelievable wisdom and were patient with me as I tried to figure out what they said. And then try to live it out. When I would say, I think we're going to do this. And they go, okay, all right, you, you give it a shot. And then as that thing worked or did not? And they said, okay, now that you've seen that, what do you think we could do? I'm grateful for the provision that has gone before me and represented by the males who have been older than me who have um, mentored me. And this church is no different. There are amazing male leaders in this church. So let's consider that. Let's consider our gratitude. Let's consider the fact that a life with God does not mean the absence of peril, the absence of fear, the absence even of death, but that God's provision went before us and it goes after us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your patience, for your understanding, for your wisdom, for your guidance. As we attempt to live this life in your name, bless us as we go forth from this day to honor those who have gone before us and taught us, to honor you and the love that preceded our action. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Stand as you're able if you join us with our final hymn, number 181. As y'all are leaving, make sure to speak to Susan leonard Ray. She's the district superintendent of the Anderson District and Weirin's daughter and one of three directly responsible for me coming here uh, to this amazing place. We celebrated last year, uh, last week uh, being here a year and um, you know, it's just... That's a cool place to be. Grateful for that. Um, and so if y'all see, I've seen a, um, Susan Leonard on the back of a artwork given to our seniors as we were driving around, which is pretty cool. Um, thank you, Renessa. Thank you, choir. Thank you, uh, sound people, everyone, for participating in our leadership. Have a great weekend. Honor your father. Recognize the provision and provide for others before they recognize it. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.